Welcome, Bird Gang. It's a football Friday ahead of the home opener, and a full house is expected for the first time in two years. Should be a lot of fun. Of course, it'll be even more fun if those fans in attendance see a win. So what's it going to take on today's show? Mike Jarecki gives you his three keys to victory and the X Factor here in Week 2. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 468, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. 9,600. That's last season's attendance number over a combined three games open to the public. MJ, it's safe to say there will be seven times that number on Sunday. It is the home opener week two, the Minnesota Vikings in town. And yes, the Bird Gang has been missed. I haven't checked the weather, but I know that they uh, kind of redid the uh, the lawn and, and got some more festivities out there and you know usually there's a band out there so I'm sure they're going to be tailgating as soon as the uh, gates open and then we're hopefully about 65,000 now there are some people from Minnesota but maybe um, Cardinal fans are going to keep their tickets but they should be loud and proud and, and again I can't tell you enough how much they and we missed the fans last year. By the way this is the 16th season at State Farm Stadium. It goes by fast. 16 years, though, and there have been a number of upgrades at the building, as you uh, mentioned earlier this week. So it will be fun to have full capacity in front of the Arizona Cardinals as they look to go 2-0 and for the second straight season. And, of course, we know what happened last season, but that was last season. This is a new season. A couple of items on the final injury report. Devon Kennard ruled out on Friday by head coach Cliff Kingsbury because of a hamstring injury. He did not practice at all this week. So you look at the depth chart. It just so happens that Kylie Fitz was signed off the practice squad last week to fill a roster spot. He remains on the roster, so you have already someone there that you're comfortable with and who is very familiar with the defense. Yeah, and you know, there's a reason why he's on the active roster right now. A guy that can set the edge, obviously a really good special teams player. You know, he was one of those guys I thought if he got released, you know, he's a perfect backup, um, you know, smart guy. He plays on teams, but luckily the Cardinals were able to put him on the practice squad and last week they elevated him. So, you know, you feel for Kennard. He worked so hard in the offseason. He spent a ton of time at the facility. And, and, you know, when it comes to these hamstrings, you just don't want it to linger. Um, clearly, you know, not traveling will help him. So hopefully he's not out too long because I, he's he's done a nice job, and I like the way he played in training camp. Kennard only is on the field for 13 snaps in week one, maybe even some more snaps for Victor DiMuchegi when you talk about that outside linebacker position. The other injury we are keeping an eye on for Sunday and a game day decision is starting right tackle Kelvin Beecham. He was on the practice field on Friday but was not practicing Wednesday or Thursday because of a rib injury that he suffered in the second half at Tennessee I would expect since he was on the field that he would play but you never know how do you wake up on Saturday morning how do you wake up on Sunday morning you go through pregame warm-ups 90 minutes before kickoff those inactives are announced you hope to see Calvin Beecham though if not you do have someone who is familiar 
Justin Murray, right tackle. He knows this offense, and he did play well to close out last game or last week's game against the Titans. Yeah, you know, maybe it comes down to a pain tolerance, and, and there's always medicine for that. I don't know. You know, some guys prefer just to play and, and, and figure it out. But listen, um, the way that Rodney Hudson's, you know, kind of calling the the offense from an offensive line standpoint, you look at Josh Jones and Justin Murray, they filled in. Uh, again, I clearly Beecham's a starter for a reason so you, you know there's going to be a drop off but the fact that Murray's had a lot of uh, playing time and he missed some time in camp and you know maybe him or Winters could have won that right guard spot but I, on paper the Cardinals feel comfortable if Beecham can't go but again can he play all four quarters I guess we'll find out on Sunday and by the way Kingsbury asked on Friday and reiterated their stance from a year ago as far as rotating offensive linemen mentioning how hard they work in practice that they deserve some snaps during the regular season and again my pushback is well we're just not used to seeing it I'm not going to go against what Sean Kugler wants to do on the offensive line but you're not rotating DJ Humphreys you're not rotating Rodney Hudson so I I understand the thought process, but I think just in the back of my own head, MJ, there's a little part of me that says, okay, well, when you're rotating, that means you're not seeing everything that you want to see out of the offensive line. And I'll mention this because Justin Pugh, when he spoke on Thursday, brought this up, and I had forgotten, but he was rotated in, and he mentioned, as we forget, we kind of forget, he missed a lot of training camp because of COVID-19. He was a close contact once and he tested positive. And he mentioned that he was surprised himself that he was able to play as much as he did. So I understand the rotation along the left side as far as spelling Pew at left guard. It's right guard Josh Jones and seeing Brian Winters. Did Jones not do something? And Winters came in for a series or two. And then Jones kind of was able to figure things out and then go back out there. Well, this kind of backs up what they thought going into the season that they, you know, they obviously wanted to have that second unit, um, you know, ready to play. And if you look at the top eight guys, and yes, Murray and Winters missed some time, but we haven't got a chance to watch practice. And, you know, I think different matchups will obviously be intriguing. I trust Sean Kugler. So if he feels like, you know what, it's, it may not be the right thing to do or, or, unorthodox based on defensive linemen rotate because nobody can play 65 snaps at that position per game unless you're J.J. Watt in previous years. So I think they're really comfortable with their top eight. And again, ideally like to have your starting five, but I think they're comfortable if they had to go to the bench coming up on Sunday. And that's the thing. When you're not used to something happening and you see it for the first time, it takes you back and you're like, well, why are you doing that? No one does that. And you know, maybe more and more teams will do this to keep guys fresh. But again, it's not something you typically see, and you don't rotate your starting quarterback. So, And those are just some positions that you just want to make sure you keep consistent. But when you have eight guys that you are comfortable with and you believe are starters, maybe you do reward them on Sundays for a series or two. I don't want to spoil Mike Jarecki's three keys to a victory and the X Factor, but we do need to point out when we talk about injuries, the Vikings injury report because they are banged up after just one week they have already ruled out starting linebacker Anthony Barr their other linebacker Eric Kendricks who had a league high 15 tackles in week one listed as questionable with a quad issue and if you're I mean if you don't have Kendricks or he's less than 100 percent I mean you're talking about a huge hole now in the middle of that Vikings defense that I think, you know, we talked about where this offense can exploit each and every week. I would think 
that front seven for the Vikings might be susceptible this week. Yeah, I would agree. And Everson Griffin's out. Unfortunately for him, he was going to the facility and he hit a deer, and he was on the injury report with a concussion. So I'm glad he's safe, and we don't even think about that going to the facility and he hit a deer. I'm guess it's that time of the year, it cools down a little bit. Deer are probably looking for some food, but hopefully he's okay. And again, he's not going to play. So yeah, I mean, we talked about Mike Zimmer and his exotic. You know, matchups and blitzes. He may not have a full arsenal here, but he's going to definitely try to, you know, get Kyler Murray off his game. And that's going to be some other players we probably haven't discussed this week. Very unfortunate for Griffin, the local product out of Awafria High School, coming back home and now all of a sudden can't suit up against his hometown team. They are banged up in the secondary. One of their reserve corners, Harrison Hand, has been ruled out and then along the offensive line. This is not a surprise, but their first-round draft pick, left tackle Christian Derisaw, will not play for the second straight week as he recovers from a groin injury, but that wasn't a surprise. They weren't expecting him back this week, sooner rather than later, just not here this week against the Cardinals. And I think that was the same case with Anthony Barr. He's coming off an injury. Um, you know, he's doing a little bit more in practice. And so, again, it's a long season. You'd rather have the guy come back and play 14 games uh, than come back and try to push it. And you just start looking at, you know, some of their linebackers. Now it's going to be, you know, they're going to have to somehow get a pass rush going. But, uh, again, I like the matchup for the Cardinals. Um, even if those guys were in there, now can they score 30 or 40 points? I guess we'll find out. But, obviously, they're going to try to force turnovers. They're going to try to keep Kyler Murray and the Cardinals offense on the sidelines. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, we have stalled long enough. Everyone wants to know Mike Jarecki's three keys to a victory and, of course, the X factor here in Week 2. MJ, let's start with your first key here for the Cardinals to get off to a good start and to open the season 2-0. Okay, I think they're going to play a lot of cover, too, you know? Cards cover two. I think they're going to play a lot of cover two. In other words, they're going to keep their safeties deep, and they're not going to allow the Cardinals to get any chunk plays. So, so the Vikings defense cover two. Vikings defense cover two. So Murray needs to be patient and work the uh, the underneath routes. We know that he's tried to improve from 11 to 19 yards. Um, and then once he's able to be successful and if they go on a couple, you know, maybe 10 play drives, Easier said than done. Maybe they can force them to mix up their coverages because that's what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to take away the deep ball and force Kyler Murray to make some tight throws depending on how much time he has in the, cock, uh, the pocket. So to me, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot different than last week um, based on, on – and I don't think Breedland's 100%. He had a shoulder. He said he hit his shoulder in that game. Now, he's coming off an injury from last year, so I don't know if he's 100%. So that could affect the way he tackles in the open field. But I just think the Cardinals need to be patient. I know, you know, this part of this offense is throwing the ball down the field. You know, you like to get some chunk yards, splash plays, as we always talk about. But I just think they need to be patient and work the underneath stuff. And then we'll see if they change. You know, after a couple of possessions, if the Cardinals are successful, whether it's a field goal and a touchdown, I got to think they're going to make some in game adjustments. And we did see on Sunday in Tennessee the Cardinals have a sustained scoring drive. Their touchdown in the second quarter was a 12 play, 75 yard drive, and that ended with Kyler Murray with the two yard run. So they do have the ability to have extended drives. They certainly want to score as quickly as possible. But when you look at what happened in week one, the deep shots, there was the DeAndre Hopkins 38 yard catch. Chase Edmonds. 
Edmonds had a 36-yard reception, but that was more of a throw underneath into the first half, and then he darted downfield. So that wasn't a deep shot, if you will. So I do think it might take this offense maybe a little bit more time, and that's fine as long as you're making completions and you're spreading the ball around. I'll give Kyler Murray credit. When you look at his spreadsheet, if you will, from week one, five different receivers caught a pass, but seven were targeted. Demetrius Harris and Max Williams targeted a combined four times from the tight end position. Neither one had a catch. So Kyler Murray is looking at every one that he has, not just focusing on, hey, where's number 10? D-Hop needs the ball. Yeah, and I expect more from A.J. Green. Uh, you know, he had a couple catches. He did have the holding penalty. He also had his foot out of bounds, which you wouldn't think would happen with a veteran guy, but it happens. But I, I think that he's going to have a bigger role uh, moving forward. Um, and you look at, you know, Kyler Murray throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. It's been 17 career games. Hop has 121 receptions, 490 yards, and eight touchdowns. He only had six last year. He had two in week one. And add in his 72% catch rate over that time. So clearly the connection's there. But there's other guys that can open it up. And if they play zone, and Patrick's on the left side. We know that Hop lines up 82% of the time on the left side. Curious to see how they're going to roll those safeties over. So right now, it's you just don't have one weapon. you got four or five, and we haven't even really got into Edmonds and James Conner. All right, you brought him up. Let's discuss real quick here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. When you talk about the Vikings defense and you think they're playing more zone, more cover two, and, of course, how many one-on-one matchups will we see with DeAndre Hopkins against Patrick Peterson? This has been a storyline I don't think a lot talked about just because Peterson's been very quiet this week. Not sure how many of you Bird Gang out there watched Peterson's press conference on Thursday, but he spoke for 10 minutes. Some questions about the Cardinals, but for him, this is how his presser began. First question, what do you think Sunday will be like for you? His answer, Sunday will be another game for me. It's just the next game on the schedule, end quote. He said almost the same thing earlier on his All Things Covered podcast as far as this is just another game. One, don't believe him. Two, I don't believe him. Three, this is not just another game for Patrick Peterson. It can't be. You spend 10 seasons in one location. You come back home. It's a big deal. It's not just another game on the schedule. I'm sorry. This is huge for Patrick Peterson. How well he plays, I think we'll see just how much he is looking forward to this game. If he comes up amped up, if he makes some mistakes, or if he does make a couple of plays and then all of a sudden he gets a little bit more energized, this is a huge game for Patrick Peterson. Make no bones about it, regardless of what he says. Well, he spent half the offseason talking about, you know... um you know, how the Cardinals didn't call him back. He was going on vacation. It's a business. They said, go out there and see what you're worth. And eventually they contacted, his agent contacted Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. And all of a sudden he signed there. So, listen, he had a great career here. Maybe the last couple of years weren't the same. I don't know if he was the same player after the suspension. He asked for a trade. And I got news for you. There will be no tribute to Patrick Peterson on Sunday. Here is what I hope. And Peterson was asked about crowd reaction, and he said, I really don't know. And to be honest with you, MG, I don't know what the crowd reaction is going to be. Here is what I hope, and it's probably not going to be a popular take. Ten seasons 
eight times to the Pro Bowl, two times All-Pro. What he did in a Cardinals uniform was spectacular. Hopefully one day, number 21 will be in the ring of honor. That is my personal hope. I understand what happened, what he has said, what he has done. But what I hope happens, Berg Gang, for those that are in attendance on Sunday at State Farm Stadium, you cheer him when you see him come out for pregame warm-ups, you acknowledge him for what he did in a Cardinals uniform, and when the game kicks off, he's the opponent. You boo him. You cheer on DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if that's going to happen. My guess is it probably won't because he has said and done a lot of things that have been very hurtful to the organization and to the fan base, so I get it. But I am trying to look big picture at 10 years and what he has done, not only on the field, but around this community. Some things we know about, others we don't. Patrick Peterson was a very good Cardinal. It just might take some time for people everyone to get on board because of the sting of how things ended and especially what happened over the last several seasons. Yeah, well said. I mean, I, I, I can try to add something, but I think you hit it right on the head. And let's, again, once the game starts, he's the opponent. Absolutely. And we are looking forward to that D-Hop Patrick Peterson matchup. All right. Didn't mean to get sidetracked, but you brought it up and I did want to acknowledge Patrick Peterson's return to State Farm Stadium. So we got the first key and that is the Cardinals having to understand that maybe that quick strike offense, the deep shots won't be there. What is your second key? Well, Kyler Murray is going to have to outplay Kirk Cousins. Now, in Murray's first three, uh, 33 career starts, he's tallied 66 touchdowns against 25 interceptions. For comparison's sake, Russell Wilson, I know they're not playing Russell Wilson, 59 touchdowns, 19 interceptions in his first 33 games. Now, Cousin, his record on the road is not very good. 21-32-2 and two on the road. Now, last week, you know, you look at a guy like Joe Burrow, he, he, his completion percentage was 74% with two touchdown passes in the opener. So I do think, you know, they, they could throw on that defense, but Kyler's going to have to outplay Kirk Cousins. He threw for a ton of yards in garbage time. And again, when you look at his road record, and ever since he's been there, 25-22 and won a record as a starter when he was basically he joined the Vikings in 2018. So again, I think Kyler Murray will have to outplay him. I know they don't play against each other, but Kyler Murray's numbers will be better and that will help the Cardinals win. And it's going to come down to who makes mistakes. Kirk Cousins will throw interceptions. He didn't have any in week one, but he had 13 last year. And something else that we pointed out earlier this week as far as that protection that he has or maybe lack thereof sacked three times hit an additional eight times against the Bengals and when you look at that Vikings offensive line pay attention to the left side left tackle Rashad Hill he struggled in week one is that the matchup that the Cardinals believe that they have for a second straight week with Chandler Jones going against the left tackle or is it more the push up the middle with J.J. Watt and company because you've got a third-year center in Garrett Bradbury and Ezra Cleveland, the left guard, did not play particularly well against the Bengals. There is an idea out there that perhaps maybe if it's not Chandler Jones because there'll be a tight end or a fullback on that side, that this could be the game J.J. Watt has the numbers because as we've talked about you can't block everyone and if you devote time to 55 that opens up things for 99 it was the flip last week because the titans knew more about what jj watt is capable of and they concentrated double teams sometimes 
triple teamed, which allowed more one-on-one matches for Chandler Jones. Yeah, I, I got to think they're going to go mass protection. And you can use the fullback and bring in an extra lineman or um, a tight end in this case. But also, um, they're going to try to slide protection. And last week it didn't work when the Titans tried it. He was still able to knife through there along with J.J. Watt. So, yeah, easier said than done. Uh, but the fact is that, you know, the Cardinals feel like if they can get pressure from the middle or outside, that's going to take Kirk Cousins off his spot. He, he could throw for a ton of yards, but what does he do in the red zone? And, and does he have that ill-advised interception late in the game to where the Cardinals can capitalize from it? A very capable quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Yes. Over uh, 4,000 yards in five of his last six seasons and thirty at least 30 touchdowns in two of his last three. So he is capable, to your point, MJ, putting up a lot of numbers but do those numbers translate to wins? And for better or worse, uh, there's a lot of people in Minnesota that are thinking that uh, the end is closer than the future as far as Kirk Cousins' stay in the uh, Twin Cities. Well, they have Kev, uh, Kellen Mond. He's the backup. So, I mean, I, I still think he's going to be there for a couple more years. Now the question is what, what happens with Mike Zimmer? I think they miss Kevin Stefanski, who's done a really good job with Baker Mayfield and the Browns. So... We'll see, but that's their worry, not ours. But for the most part, though, he is capable. And just watching some of the press conference and listening to Paul Allen, who's the play-by-play voice of the Vikings, and and they also had Ben Lieber in there who played for the Vikings. They thought Justin Jefferson put up numbers, but some of his route running was a little lackadaisical, and they thought that – you know, Delvin Cook was maybe trying to look for the big run, so they kind of called those guys out. They want more from them. So my next – keys to the game is Delvin Cook versus the Cardinals' rush defense. We know they did a great job last week on, on obviously, um, you know, Derrick Henry. And you look at Cook last week, he had 61 yards on 20 attempts. They need more balance on their offense, so they're expecting him to run the football a little bit more. Now, Cook has 19 regular season games of 90 yards under his belt. Minnesota's 14-5 and five in those games. When his outings are less than that, they are 8-15-1. and 15 and 1. So if you need any more information, it's really he's, he's kind of the, the, their bell cow. And we talked about this when the schedule came out. you got Derrick Henry in Week 1, Delvin Cook. And Delvin Cook's a really good player. He can catch the ball at the backfield. Um, but maybe he's looking for the home run. And that's all you kept hearing this week. we got to clean things up. we got to clean things up. And that was to the offensive line as a whole and then the execution part. So Delvin Cook against the Cardinals run defense. And if they – listen, if he gets 100 yards, great. It's just don't let him pop one for a 40-yard gain or a touchdown because that's, those are backbreakers when you're, when you're trying to stop the run at the line of scrimmage. He can run between the tackles, but that's what Derrick Henry does better. Dalvin Cook, a little bit more shifty. Yes. He can stop on a dime. The lateral movements, and again, 5'10", 209 versus Henry, who's 6'3", 238. And the other thing you got to keep an eye on, and you brought it up, is Dalvin Cook catching the ball out of the backfield. He excels in that area. He had 43 receiving yards last week, over 100 yards from scrimmage. So more of a dual threat from the running back position. And if you've got Dalvin Cook in there more for protection, then obviously that means, one, he's not carrying the football and two he's not split uh, out wide or running a route but 
maybe he is in there chipping and then releasing, and that you have to pay attention to if you're one of those inside linebackers. Great point, because you don't want to get sucked in and over-pursue where he's going to chip you and get out, and all of a sudden you don't you don't have uh, numbers over on that side because he can break tackles, and he, it's not a guy that's just going to try to run down the sidelines. He will try to run in midfield to have different angles on the defensive backs. We know the Cardinals secondary has tackled well. I was really impressed with Jalen Thompson. Can't say enough about Buddha, Marco Wilson, and, and Byron Murphy. And we probably hadn't focused more on uh, those other guys. And Robert Alford, I mean, he's just a physical football player. You know, obviously he's, he's behind Murphy. And, and then you look at Marco Wilson, but you, you could see the upside and why the Cardinals signed him. So, yes, just don't over-pursue. Um, keep your guys' uh, containment. Keep your eyes up where, you know, you, you don't have a busted play where he runs off for a 20- or 30-yard game. And with Cook in the backfield, if he does become a wide receiver, a delay, release, now all of a sudden Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, because of their athleticism, nothing against Jordan Hicks, but those two are more athletic and they can hang with the Dalvin Cook as far as following him wherever he goes. And you might see that more often because – well, you know, Isaiah Simmons had a great first week, but it was more as far as tackling Derrick Henry off the run. Now you might see him as far as covering a Dalvin Cook. Yeah, and, and you know, you got to give uh, Isaiah Simmons a lot of credit. He talked about even before the game when he was asked, I've been watching film, you can't let him get to the second level. Well, that's the same thing with Dalvin Cook. And he's more, as you pointed out correctly, he's more fluid. He can, he can turn on a dime where Henry's going to try to run you over. So, like I said, he can go for 100 yards. And then, you know, the fact that they're saying they need more out of Jefferson, again, his numbers were good. He's he's a weird – I wouldn't say weird. He runs different routes, but he's so athletic where he can recover and, and make the catch. So that's something that obviously the Cardinals probably look for on film. He had an outstanding rookie season. Uh, Jerry Sullivan was the uh, offensive uh, passing coordinator at LSU, so he had a lot of great intel. I know the Cardinals liked him, but obviously they went a different direction in the first round. All right, so Mike Jarecki's three keys to victory. One, be patient offensively, especially if the Vikings defense is playing a lot of zone, which you anticipate. Number two, Kyler Murray has to outperform Kirk Cousins as far as quarterback play. And number three, and this would be number one if you're talking to Vance Joseph, but that is the run defense and stopping Dalvin Cook. But this is what we talked about in the offseason when the schedule came out. Look at these first two games. Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, 1A, 1B, or 1 and 2 as far as running backs in the National Football League. That's not us. That's everyone else saying that these are the top two at their position of running back. Yeah, and you know, Vance, as soon as you said his name, something popped up in my head first down don't let him get you know four five six seven yards on first down try to you know three yards in a cloud of dust all of a sudden it's second and seven and then maybe it's third and six so those aren't not technically running plays but also passing plays and watch out for the draw because these cardinal defense is fast and if the guys stay in their containment and discipline they'll be okay but that draw play uh, when you're over-pursuing because you're trying to make a play, if everyone stays in their lane, so to speak, uh, you can eliminate some of those um, chunk plays or, in this case, a, a draw play because everyone's going to try to come up field and then all of a sudden they just hands a draw off and you got to make sure you have your linebackers. I'm, I'm confident Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson can obviously come in and, and make those tackles. But I, the draw play is when you see a, a defense that has, has a lot of speed and they over-pursue 
and all of a sudden guys are in their gaps. Play well on first down. Then, in the words of Vance Joseph, quote, you can dictate what happens on second and third down, and it certainly sounds like stopping the run, be better as far as the rush defense, a point of emphasis in the offseason, probably because of how the schedule came out with these two first games the Titans and Vikings but according to coach Joseph we got to be better in the run game they passed their first test can they pass their second test here this week against the Minnesota Vikings at State Farm Stadium yeah so my x factor is going to be Isaiah Simmons last week I want to say it was um it was uh, AJ Green I can use him again this week I, th- I do think he's going to be targeted more just based on the zone he's good on the 50-50 balls he's good on the comeback routes uh, and you can take some shots down the field, especially in the red zone with him. So um, I'm going to go with Isaiah Simmons just because he's going to do so many different things. He lines up – he said he played at least four different positions. Um, and to me, he's made strides when it comes to being confident, playing faster. Uh, I like the fact that he's got his swag, which I, we were able to see at Clemson. Maybe it's the number or just he's comfortable. Um, so I, he's going to be my X factor. And then the intangible for me is the Cardinals running game. And that's really James Conner and Chase Edmonds and also Kyler Murray. They don't have to run for, you know, uh, 200 yards, but it was nice last week that they had about 150 yards. And you, you talked about the three negated plays on Kyler Murray, and all those were double – they were double-digit numbers. I mean, 12, 18 yards, I want to say, off the, off the cuff. So, to me, um, the intangible will be the Cardinals' run game because we focus so much on the passing game and open things up, and that's why if they play – that cover two. Well, the safeties are deep. Cardinals should be able to win at the line of scrimmage. And based on the injuries we talked about uh, with the Vikings on that defensive side of the ball. Let me piggyback off of both the X-Factor and Intangible. Simmons, according to Pro Football Focus, did play four different positions. He lined up 12 snaps along the defensive line, 29 snaps in the box, 16 as a slot corner, once as an outside corner and that goes that backs up what Simmons told Paul Calvisi on post game that he thought he had played four different positions so something to keep an eye on where is number nine and I do think he looks good in number nine maybe he is obviously more confident confident in year two but sometimes you know if you look good you play good that's the whole Deion Sanders quote right and you know look good play good and you know things tend to happen uh, very well for you as a player. Now, with respect to the run game, we talked about it on Sunday afterwards, that fourth quarter, ball control, take time off the clock. Cardinals ran 14 plays. 13 of those were running plays, and the Cardinals milked the clock for 11 minutes. Kingsbury earlier on Friday called it the four-minute offense and was very impressed by what the Cardinals were able to do in the run game. Quote, that was a good sign for us moving forward. End quote. You get a lead, two scores, all of a sudden, yeah, you might be in shotgun, spread it out, but if you can run the football out of that formation, I like what this offense can do. Well, you got the perfect back for that. We always talk about 1A and 1B. You know, Chase looked very fast to me, so did Connor, but he, he's a lot bigger back. And when you look at short yardage and he had 13 of those runs, and you, close to 11 minutes they had the ball, and that's the idea, learning how to finish, but also you know, keeping their offense off the field, keeping your defense on the sidelines. 
that's how you win games in the NFL. It's really uh, the Cardinals were much better in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and I think that led to them putting up 38 points. You look at James Conner, only a 3.3 yard per carry average, but that doesn't matter to me. When are you getting your yards? He converted on third and one on that final offensive possession. They ended up punting the ball, but again, you convert, you take time off the clock, and all of a sudden you're – much better as an offense. So James Conner, I certainly think, has done wonders, obviously, for one week as far as paying off and being that difference maker and a different type of a running back than Chase Edmonds. Yeah, and you know, if if they want to play that that, that cover two, um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if Cliff decided to go four wide with Edmonds as a running back. You get Like Mike Zimmer said, listen, we're not going to be able to keep Kyler Murray in the pocket the entire game, and he said he used the word we got to go. We got to make sure we cover 53 yards and a third. So that means they're concerned with his running style. But if, if Cliff wants to put him in the gun, they're going to go with it up tempo. And you know, uh, I, I, I was reading a story from Steve Ruiz on the Ringer, really detailed on how he thinks Kyler and Cliff are getting on the same page, and and. and he he was asked. It was on Bickley Murata on Friday. He was asked why do, why does Hop always line up on the left side? He says, when you're running the air raid and you're up tempo, you can't have receivers switching sides. There's not enough time. Not enough time. So it makes total sense. I never thought about that. Yeah, you like to move guys around. That's what they have. You know, Rondell Morfer and Christian Kirk were playing that natural position. But I, I never thought about that. So that's what the reason why he lines up so much over that. And that's really an air raid concept that your best receiver lines up on the left side. And a lot of times you would think your best receiver line up on the right side because that's the quarterback. But we know Kyler Murray can make all those throws from the right hash mark across his body. So I never really thought about it, but that's the reason why he lines up so much. Last last week, 61 uh, offensive snaps, 51 came from the left side. But also he was in the slot on, on, on the touchdown pass, correct? If you're running up-tempo, you tend not to huddle because that takes time. So you're just – the play happens, it's over, when you just kind of go to where you know where you're supposed to line up. Now, if you're huddling, you break the huddle, then all of a sudden all bets are off. Hopkins can go on the right side, and you're right. He was in the slot on that touchdown in which he pivoted and then spun away from the defender for the score. So, yeah, you're going no huddle. That's just what happens. You don't have time to kind of get guys to wear different spots, if you will. So – but it's not always – that's not the offense in its entirety because they do huddle up. Um, it's all, Especially it, when you get a lead or, you know, let's say they're up by 10 or 14 going into half and they still want to maybe get in field goal range, yes. And it's not like they're snapping the ball with 32 seconds. I mean, they get the play in, they got to do the pre-snap read, um, and then Kyler eventually gets it at you know, 14, 15 seconds possibly. I mean, it could be a little bit lower. So it's not – and the worst thing when you go with up-tempo, if the ball hits the ground, well, all of a sudden the clock stops. So that's why you see some run plays or high-percentage throws where the clock doesn't stop because that's the last thing you want to do is put your defense back on the field. Week one, Cardinals offensive personnel, their most used formation. I think this is going to surprise some people. 12 personnel. 37 snaps, 25% of the offense was out of 12 personnel. Then 11 personnel, four wide, 28%, 19 snaps. 10 personnel, which everyone says that's the offense. That's what Cliff Kingsbury does. Only 
12 snaps, 18%. Now, that was the second highest in week one. The yeah. Bills had the most 10 personnel snaps. But as you can see, you're utilizing the tight end and sometimes two tight ends. And, you know, Harris, he had a penalty. Uh, I want to see him get more involved, but I don't think the tight ends are going to be a focal point of the offense. Uh, they're asked to block. But, again, Kyler has uh, the connection down the seam with Max Williams. So if they want to double guys up or roll coverage over, that that's an option. And Harris is a guy that looks like a, a wide receiver playing tight end. So, again, if, if they want to roll coverage and start doubling guys or keep everything in front of them, then Kyler has been very accurate in the area he's worked on is 11 to 19 yards. So if they're patient enough, he can make a lot of uh, you know, throws to where these guys – and one thing we probably didn't talk about was yards after catch. I mean, Rondell Moore, his yards after catch, were, they were amazing. Getting the ball and then you know, obviously being able to run down the field, uh, that was a great play uh, with uh, Rondell Moore. And again, he only had 20 snaps, so I anticipate maybe they'll give him a little bit more. But again, it's a long season for these guys that play college football. Yeah, Rondell Moore averaged 16 yards after a catch per reception. Wow. The best mark in the National Football League in Week 1, again, according to Next Gen Stats. And then you bring out Demetrius Harris. Yes, he's listed as a tight end. I don't know how many times he had his hand in the dirt. He is listed at 6'7", 230 pounds. So he is a big target and you will see him in the slot probably more often than you do with his hand in the dirt. Yeah, he can line up, and then obviously you can put him out there. So now is we know that tight ends and running backs, it's all about matchups. Put a linebacker on them, sometimes they're too small, a safety. Uh, maybe they don't have the foot speed to, to cover a guy in the slot like that. So, yeah, I, I, again, I think this offense is sustainable. It was not a mirage what they did. Uh, we got a, we were fortunate enough to watch training camp, even when the fans were there, and, and this offense was humming. And I I I believe it's going to continue to hum. You just can't beat yourselves. Don't turn the ball over. It's okay to punt in this league. Put your defense on the field. Bird Gang need to remind you episode two of Folk Tales presented by Seventy Two Sold. We talked about this earlier in the week. The night the goalpost vanished, it will debut on the Cardinals' official YouTube channel September 22nd, a turning point in Cardinals history, flashing all the way back to September 8th, 1997. Week 2, yes, a Week 2 game. The Cardinals snapping a 13-game losing streak to the Dallas Cowboys with a 25-22 overtime win. The goalposts came down, and they were ushered out of Sun Devil Stadium. All right. Um, I know this is a football Friday. It used to be a Fitz Friday, but this is going to be the first time that Larry's will maybe playing a home game in a regular season since, what, 2004? 2003. Three. The Nate Poole game that allowed the Cardinals. Yes. They dropped from the number one pick to number three, and they selected Larry Fitzgerald in 2004. Yes. Yeah. So the first home game since 2003, but we mentioned it last week. That was the first game period without Larry Fitzgerald on the roster since 2003. Yeah. I, you know, I, I I see a lot of Hopkins jerseys when I'm out and about. Obviously, Kyler Murray. Maybe some, we'll see some more Chandler Jones. I don't know if anybody's going to buy Rodney Hudson, but if you're, 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 you're a guy that, you know, Again, I know these guys are under contract for the next few years, but I still think we're going to see a lot of 11 jerseys in the stadium on Sunday. Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. There will always be 11 jerseys. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be odd. It's going to be different. The Larry Chants will have to get a different chant going on with the uh, sold-out crowd at State Farm Stadium. So maybe, maybe 
there's a lot of firsts. That was his first game he didn't play on the or at the start of the season, right? Then, well, it's his first time he hasn't played against the Rams and Seahawks. I, I'll I'll let it, I'll let it go here. I'm just saying it's going to be awkward where you don't see him out there on the field, considering he's been a, a statesman for the last 17 years. Before we put a bow on this episode of Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, you'd about the Rams and Seahawks. How about we just kind of quickly take a look at what the rest of the division is up against here in Week Two? The NFC West, along with the AFC West in Week One, undefeated, four and zero, but. The NFC West had an overall margin of victory of 16.3, by far the best of any division. The defenses, by the way, were pretty good, too. The 49ers did allow 33 points, but the Cardinals 13, the Rams 14, the Seahawks 16. So offenses that are putting points on the board and defenses that are limiting points being put up on the board. But you look at where teams are this week. The only team that is at home, outside of the Cardinals, The Seahawks, they won at Indianapolis in week one. They host the Titans this week, and we are the biggest Tennessee Titans fans after rooting against them in week one. As they say, what a difference a week makes. Go Ryan Tannehill, go Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones. Yeah, and, you know, Seattle, uh, you know, last week, three of the NFC West teams were on the road, and the Rams were on Sunday Night Football to open up their new stadium, which they host the Super Bowl this year. So, yeah, uh, I'm rooting for the Titans. I'm rooting for the Eagles because San Francisco has to go on the road for the second consecutive week. They're playing Philadelphia. Philadelphia, I didn't know what to expect, but Jalen Hurts, you know, they bring in a new head coach, and, and they got talent on that team. You know, you know We'll see how they shake out in the NFC East, but I'm rooting for the Titans and obviously the Eagles. And who's the other game? The Rams are at the Colts. Colts. Well, you know – they 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 played close last week, um, but I just don't know. I mean, the way the Rams offense, and then when you got Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, so I'll root for the Colts, but I anticipate the Rams will win. Yeah, Matthew Stafford in his debut, 321 passing yards, three touchdowns. His second pass of the game went for a 67-yard score to Van Jefferson. Yes, that is the son of Sean Jefferson, the Cardinals wide receivers coach. So the Rams look very, very good on Sunday night football. Quick note on the 49ers. Much like last season, after week one, again, injuries. This is what happened to the 49ers in week one. They have lost cornerback Jason Verrett for the season, a torn ACL. They have lost running back Raheem Mostert to a knee injury. He's opted for season-ending surgery. And linebacker Dree Greenlaw is undergoing surgery on his groin. He's expected back this season. But that is three main pieces, starters, role players, two gone for the year. Yeah, and you know, Debo Samuel, he's a weapon. Uh, You can see him and Jimmy GQ are on the same page now. People were asking about Brandon Ayuk, maybe even more from a fantasy standpoint, but according to Kyle Shanahan, he actually hurt his hammy a little bit in late in training camp, so they're happy that he's active, but right now he's just he really doesn't have that speed where he could take the top off the defense. And you know, They're still going to run the football. Next man up, they, they've done it for a long time. They do a lot of shifting in motion. you still got you know George Kittle out there. 
You know, I don't know how much Trent Shearfield's going to play, but Samuel is a he's a mismatch when healthy. Absolutely. So again, the 49ers at the Eagles, the Seahawks host the Titans, and the Rams are at the Colts. That is the week two schedule of the NFC West, and of course, the Cardinals host the Minnesota Vikings. 105 is the kickoff. 8:30 a.m. Pre-game coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Cardinals looking to go 2 and 0 for the second straight season. Yeah, and we know what happened then. Uh, yeah, we don't need to get into that, but uh, no, I'm sure I'm just, we will if I'm, the Cardinals do get to 2 and 0. Yeah, but again, you know, getting to 2 and 0 and then we, they still haven't played a division game yet. That, that they got to go on the road to Jacksonville and then they'll play the Rams and that's when the meat of the schedule, but you know, a lot of people thought if they lost the first game, uh, Minnesota, if they would have won, maybe had some momentum. And I heard people say, well, they, they could be 1-3. and three. Well, that's not going to be the case right now. Absolutely not. The Cardinals, one of the surprise teams, if you will, by others, not by those coaches and players in the locker room. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.